God, God, we love you more than we could ever express. God, and we, we can't even just, we can't even begin to be thankful enough for how much you have loved us and how much that you have bestowed upon us with your grace and with your mercy, God. I just pray this morning that once again you would, you would just use me, that you would speak through me this morning, that the words that, that come out of my mouth would not be my words, but they would be your words for your people on your day, God. May, may these words change us, may they challenge us, may they convict us. God, may we hear you today in a very real way. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, right now in a, in a series called Multiply, uh, and I'm going to stop telling the week because I kind of forget what week we're in. I know it's on your blue sheet if you're interested. I think we're in the teens now uh, of Multiply 12. Oh, I'm close. All right. Uh, we're in week 12 of Multiply, uh, and uh, really this, this last section, for the last two weeks we've started this, this last section, going through the Old Testament, going through the New Testament, really is this. We, we talked for the first half of Multiply before Easter about what it looks like and what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples, right? What does it mean to, to be a disciple who makes disciples? And part of that is knowing the story of God. Right? Knowing the story of God and, and being able to tell the story of God. And how can we tell the story of God if we don't really know the story of God? And so we are kind of on this journey through the story of God. What is, it, what is the story of God? And so we talked about creation. And in creation, we watched, this, we watched a video that just left us in awe of who God is, right? of the, the greatness of God, the bigness of God. We look at these stars, and, and if the earth were the size of a golf ball, remember, uh, just just how amazing it was uh, just to, to be in awe of God and to see, see how great he is. But then at the same time, see how good this big, great God is so intimately involved in the smallest details of who we are. It's just, it's amazing. And so last week, we, we talked about how this, this perfect creation, right, it lasted a whole two chapters in Scripture. Genesis 1 and 2 are perfect. And then we mess it up. We mess it up in Genesis 3. Right, we messed it up with the fall. And so we walked through this, the story of the fall and really just kind of talked about how sin works, how it entered the world, how it works. But man, the hope at the end of this is that in Genesis 3, that, that Adam and Eve are blocked off from the tree of life. But if you look at the end of the book and you look in Revelation 22, the tree of life is available again. And the leaves of the tree are, are for the healing of the nations. And this is just such a, it come full circle at this point. So how do we get from from Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are out of there. They're forced out of the garden, right? The tree of life is blocked off to Revelation 22 where the tree of life is, is full again. The fruit is, is for the eating and, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. How do we get to there? Man, well, that's, that's the rest of this book. I mean, Genesis 3 is what, page page four in my Bible, and Revelation you know, it's 22 is at the very back. And so how do, we, how do we get there, right? There's this huge story of God and what God is up to in the world. And so we, we're going to start kind of this journey this morning, this, this journey towards, towards restoration, because God is on a mission at this point to restore all things to himself, including you and including me. He's on this mission. And so where does this, this mission start? Well, it starts in Genesis 6, right? God regretted him and making human beings, right? So, so we start there. No, well, we get Noah, and then we get the big flood, right? There's another kind of, there's another big disaster. And then we get 
the Tower of Babel in chapter 11, and God, God just basically separates everyone. And then we get to, it would have been easy, I think, for God to just stop, stop right there, right? All right, I regret making human beings, Genesis 6, 6. I regret it. I regret making humans. It shouldn't have, it shouldn't have done that, right? It would have been easy to stop there. It would have been easy to stop with the flood and just let it do its job instead of saving Noah and his family and all the animals. It would have been easy just to stop it right there. He doesn't stop it. People keep, keep going, keep going, and then they try to, to build the tower, right? The tower to the heavens so we can make a name for ourselves, right? This is the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. So we can make a name for ourselves, right? And we talked about last week. What is, what is the essence of sin? It's putting self first. Self and then others and then God somewhere in the distance. Let's, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build this tower. And God separates them. It pushes them apart. Spreads them out all over the earth. And then in Genesis 12, we begin this story of restoration with Abram. Abram at this point. He's not Abraham yet. Genesis 12. If you would turn there with me. Genesis 12 Verse 1 says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had, had told him. So Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Think about it, Just keep that age in your mind. He's 75 years old when he sets out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went towards the hills east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward Again, right? So here's the, the initial promise to Abraham, right? I will make your name great. You will be a great nation. You will be a great blessing to, to everyone. Not only will you have great blessing, but you will be a great blessing, right? This is, this is the promise to Abraham. And, and even, even later on, there's this, this uh, <clears throat> to your offspring, I will give this land. Right? Abram does not have offspring at this point. Abram is 75 years old. Through your offspring, to your offspring I will give this land. Here's prom- there's promise number one. All right, you turn to, to just turn the page of chapter 13 with me for a second. And we'll talk about another promise from God. Chapter 13, starting at verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and to the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. 
So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. All right, here's the, the second one, right? And we hear this again, your descendants. But now, now God builds on this promise, right? Not only are you going to be a great nation with a great name, not only are you going to, to have great blessing and be a great blessing, but you're now going to have numerous descendants, more numerous descendants than anyone can count. If anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted, God said. Again, Abram has no offspring. Just throwing it out there. 75 years old, Abram has no offspring. Chapter 14 happens, and his brother Lot gets in a little bit of trouble in Sodom and Gomorrah. Goes and saves his brother. And then chapter 15, which is where we're going to focus this morning. Chapter 15 is probably one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And, and I want you to hear me out on this before, before, before we do this, because it's a weird Scripture, right? There's a lot of weird stuff that happens and Genesis chapter 15, but it is one of my favorite chapters just because of, of what, it, what it means for us today. So I want to I start in just chapter 15. We're going to read just kind of the first half probably, 1 to 11. And here's what it says. After this, <clears throat> after he had saved his brother Lot, right? After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can I give you since I remain childless? Right, here's going to be a theme that we hear from Abram. I remain childless, and the one who will inherit it, my estate, is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. What is Abram saying here? God, I, I hear your promises. I see what you've said. I hear what you've said. I still have no kids, I still have no heirs. I still have no children. What is going on? So we continue reading. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. Talking about Eliezer of Damascus. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. Right, so we hear another, this is another metaphor for Abram's offspring. We have the dust. If you can count the dust, then you'll be able to count your offspring. If you can count the stars, you'll be able to count your offspring. And then verse 6 is just one of the most amazing verses. Coming right after that, it just says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. I want to stop right there, because like I said... This is a little bit weird, right? This is a, kind of one of the weirder passages. All right, how can I know? How can I know you're going to give me children? How can I know this promise? Well, do the, take some animals, cut them in half, and line them up. Okay, all right, I can do this, God. I don't know where you're going with this, but, but I get this, right? And I want to just notice three, three things just real quick about this passage before we move on to the second half. The first one is this, is that, that Abram is not young at this point. Right? Abram is, is at least 75. 
He was 75 in chapter 12 when God makes this initial promise. There's been some stuff that's happened in between chapter 12 and chapter 15. We don't really know how old Abram is. We know he's at least 75. And God is promising him children. Right, but we know, we know that he is, he is not young. I mean, can you imagine at 75 having a child? No, I cannot. First of all, I'm not a woman, so I wouldn't be able to do that anyways. Second of all, I just can't imagine my grandma having a baby. It's just hard for me to imagine, right? So, so I want us to, to think about this. Abram is not a young man at this point. He's, he's, he's not a young man. But the second thing I want us to see is that Abraham believed God, right? In Scripture, in chapter 15 here, we don't have any other conversation from Abraham. God just says, Abram, I'm going to give you these kids. As numerous as the stars will be, so your, so your offspring will be. And then the next verse is just, Abraham believed, Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He just believed it, right? It was a stretch of the imagination to believe this, right? It's, it's, it was a stretch for Abraham, I'm sure, for Abram, I'm sure, right? I'm 75 years old. My wife is 75 years old. God, you're telling me that out of my own flesh and blood, I'm going to have descendants more numerous than the stars. We need to get on this, God, like, but, but I believe you, but I believe you. Right, this is a this is a stretch. As you know, the in recent history, the, in recorded history, the oldest mom is seventy years old, and she gave her life to have this baby. A seventy-year-old, she got pregnant, had a baby, died giving the baby, died giving birth. Right, this is it's not it's a stretch of the imagination to think that a seventy-five-year-old woman could give birth. Right, and but Abraham, Abram, sorry, believed God. It was out of his comfort zone to do this, but he believed. And then the third thing I want us to realize here is just the, the seriousness of the covenant that is about to take place. Right, I jokingly said, you know, Abraham might not know what this is. Abraham knows exactly what this is. Right, this, is this is one of the most serious covenants that you can make in these days. Right, when God says, go get, go get a heifer and a ram and, and cut them in two and line them up. Right? This, is, this, is the, this is just in case there are any doubts, Abram. I want to make this covenant with you. Because here's what this covenant means. It, it, you, you read how it's set up here. And, and what they would do is they would, they would line up these animals in an aisle way. And they would take off one of their shoes. They would give it to the other person. And they would both walk through at the same time. Opposite each other. They would pass each other through this aisle of animals. And here's what they were saying when they walked through this aisle. If I don't come through on what I'm saying I'm going to do, may I be like one of these animals. This is the seriousness of this covenant, right? This is a, this is a life or death covenant that Abraham is making with God here. This is the, this is the beginning of this. And as I, we keep reading, I want you to... I want you to to think about this. This is, this is the kind of covenant that is taking place here. And so let's keep reading. Verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves." And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. 
You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace at a, and, bear, and be buried at a good and old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants, I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. That's where it ends, right there. Now, I want someone to, to show me, just real quick, where it is that Abram walked through those animals. You're not going to find it. Think about this covenant that I, that I just told you about. This covenant was, was done, and, and basically both parties walk through, and both parties are essentially saying, if I don't come through on my end, let me be like one of these animals. So Abraham is, is put into a deep sleep in a blazing fire pot with, with flaming torches comes and appears and goes through the aisle. And God is essentially saying to Abram here, Abram, if I don't come through on my promises to you, may I be like one of these animals. And think about this. If God were to be like one of those animals, he would cease to be God. God cannot die. And so God is basically saying to Abraham, Abraham, I will come through on these promises. And if I do not come through to make this promise, I will cease being God. Think about that. Think about the magnitude of this promise to Abraham. Right, Abraham, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the dust. If someone could count the dust, you would, you would be able to count your offspring. Your offspring is going to be as numerous as the stars. If someone could count the stars, then we could count your offspring. Abraham, all this land is to yours and your offspring. It's going to be yours. I promise. I promise. Man, you can see now how, why, this is, why this is maybe one of my, one of my favorite passages. This, this exemplifies to me the kind of promises that God makes to us. Right? There is nothing that we do to be able to, to earn the promises of God. There's nothing that we can, we don't need to walk through the aisle. There's nothing that we need to do on our part for the promises of God to be claimed on our part. There's nothing we can and nothing we should do. God comes through because God is God. God is God. So what can we take, what can we take from, this, from this passage? First, I think God has a plan. God has a plan. God had a plan for Abram. God had a plan for the redemption of all things that starts right here. God had a plan for Abram. And can I tell you this morning, God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. Ephesians 2 has been in my mind a lot lately. I just wrote a paper for school on Ephesians 2. But Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's handiwork or workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God has something here for you. He has something for you to do. Right? The, the word here is, is really, we are what God made us. 
We are what God made us. God made us, prepared us in advance with things to do. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that these good things that we do are why we get to, why we inherit these promises? Is this, is this why we do the good works? No, we are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. God has a plan for you, and the plan is not that you would do so many good things that he would finally be able to save you. No, the plan is that you would be restored to him, that, that we would go back to Genesis 1 and 2 where we walk in the cool of the garden with God. Man, I cannot wait for that moment. This, is, this moment has been in my mind for, since I read this, since I read Genesis 1 and 2. That God walked in the cool of the garden with Adam and Eve. I cannot wait. For my stroll with God. Cannot wait. And God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. And it's not that you need to do these things to be able to, to get to this place. It's that God has this plan. You, you are saved for good works. For, the, for this plan that God has prepared in advance for you to do. God has, God has a plan for you. And he has a plan for this church. He has a plan for you individually, and God has a plan for this church. There are people that this church is going to reach. I know it. And I have faith that God has, has huge plans for this church. Huge plans. I need to chase them. We need to chase these dreams that God has given us, because God... God wants to bless this church. God wants to grow this church. God has plans for this church. He has a plan. And God has promised us many things, right? God has promised us. We, we find promises all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture. And we can claim each and every one of this. And here's the coolest part, of thing, here's the coolest part about when God promises something. When God promises something, he always comes through on his promise. Always comes through on his promise. He walks down that aisle, if you will. If I don't come through on this promise, God will always come through on his promises. But here is the question for you and for me today. Will we believe? Will we believe? See, because God was giving Abram some just some wild promises, to be honest. Abram, I know you don't have any kids, and I know you're, you and Sarah are, are older than you should be to have kids. But guess what? I'm going to give you some kids. Out of your own flesh and blood, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, as numerous as the dust. If you could count the dust, you could count your Think about this. This is, this is the promise that God, God giving Abraham some, Abram, sorry, some, some just crazy promises. And the next verse, Abraham believed God. Right, the faith of Abram is just crazy, right? Even in, even in chapter 12, right? In chapter 12, God gives him this promise. The Lord God had said to Abraham, go, Abram, sorry, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And he says, I will make your nation great. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. And then the next verse, verse 4, so Abram went. Think about that. Go from, the, go from your country, leave everything you know, and go. I'm going to make you a great name. I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to be a great blessing to everybody. Go. 
The next verse, so Abram went. Abram went. Right? Even, even, <laughs> even chapter 13, all the land you see, I will give you and make your offspring, and you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the land, the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Next verse, so Abram went. Chapter 15. Look up at the sky and count the stars if you can you count them. Then he said to him, Show, so shall your offspring be. Next verse, Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. The question this morning is the same. Do you believe? Do you believe the promises that God is giving us? Do you believe that God has a plan for you? Do you believe that God has a plan for this church? Do you believe in the promises of Scripture? Do you believe you can claim the promises in this book? Do you believe? That's the question this morning. That's the question I want to wrestle with this week. Because I think a lot of times we want to believe. We say we believe. But then we pray, and, and we, even, even after our prayer, we, we still doubt. God, I'm asking for this. I, I feel like this is what you're calling me to do. Then we hang up the phone, right? We stop our prayer. And then one of the next thoughts inevitably is, I just don't know if this can happen. I just don't know. I don't know if this is a realistic thing for me to to desire. God has, has given you a plan. God has given this church a plan. Here's the question. If that plan is going to happen, if we are going to see the fruit of what God has given us, the question is this, do we believe? And if the answer is yes, then everything follows. Our mindsets follow. Our actions follow. Our lives follow because we believe that God is who he says he is and he can do the things he says he can do, right? We believe in who God is. We believe in his promises. And so everything changes because of that. So the question, do you believe? Do you believe? And I think that's just such a, a great question for us this week to wrestle with. Do we believe? Because sometimes believing pulls us out of our comfort zones. Sometimes believing, it, it stretches us. And this stretching is, is a good thing, right? Think about working out. Why do you work out your muscles? When you work out, all you're doing is you're stretching and you're tearing your muscles. Why? So that your muscles can grow back stronger. That's literally what working out is. When you do the curls or you do whatever you're doing, right? Your muscles are tearing. They are, they are stretching and tearing. And what happens is your body rebuilds up these muscles to be stronger so they don't rip the same time again next time. So you up the weight and you tear them again and you up the weight and you tear them again and next thing you know, you're, you're stronger. Right? But following the, if we, if we believe, sometimes believing is going to stretch us. It's going to, to bring us out of our comfort zones. And there's nothing we can do to deserve what God has promised us. But if we believe and we follow, God will bless that. Do you believe? Do you believe? 
Next week, we're going to continue the story. Not of Abram, but we're going to kind of spend a couple, couple weeks in Exodus, talking about redemption in Exodus. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be just a, a great week as we continue the story of God restoring all things to himself. But it starts with this. Do you believe? Do you believe that it's possible? Do you believe that God comes through on his promises? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life? And if so, what are we doing about it? In every case, Abram went. Abraham had, Abram had to do something. Go, leave, leave your people, leave your land. So Abram went. Go walk through this land, I'm giving it to you. So Abram went. Abram went. Do you believe? And where is that leading you to go? Let's pray this morning. God, God, we love you. And we are just so thankful for your word this morning. Yeah, this story of, of Abram's belief in you and in the belief of your promises is, is not only encouraging to us, it's challenging for us. God, we, we know the things that you've promised. We, we claim the things that you've promised, but, but sometimes we, we struggle with believing that they can actually happen. God, help us with our unbelief. God, this week, would you just challenge us over and over and over again to believe to believe that you have a plan, to believe that you have a promise for us, to believe that you're in control, to believe that there's nothing that we can do. There's no, there's no need for us to walk through the aisle. You've already done that. You've already sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. There's nothing we can do to earn it, God. May we believe this week. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Let me just pray this prayer blessing. Let me just reach out your hands and just receive this. May the God of Abraham, of Abram, may the God who, who promises us all things in Scripture, May the God who loves you enough to fulfill these promises through the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, may this same God go with you, go ahead of you this week into your workplaces, into your homes. May you make a difference for him. And may this week, may you believe in the promises. May you believe in the plan. And may God bless that in your lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Go in peace.